we're going to welcome the Shane Train. <laughs> it's going to be the Tim Train, too. You guys did a good job catching the chocolates. Last night, they did bad. <laughs> it was bad. I don't know if it's because I played baseball, but I noticed stuff like that. I'm like, dude, you did not play baseball. You must have played soccer. You can kick, but you cannot catch. You feel me? Goalkeepers, sorry. Deb, I'm sorry. And goalkeepers, they can catch. How are you guys doing? Um, speaking of healing, we had, a, we had a girl in our college group. I don't know if she already gave the testimony or not, but she was healed at one of our college at our college group the other day and she had what going on scoliosis and her back completely straightened out and her leg grew out it's amazing i think seven people were healed that night i wasn't there but i heard about it i heard it was awesome <laughs> um this week has been a this month has been amazing talking about transformation um you guys been here this month come on been good right chris was talking last week about the butterflies and how it connects like as a new creation that was good right i remember like a few days after that there were butterflies everywhere and i was just smashing them in my windshield when i was driving i'm like dang sorry chris i heard about that whole process about they how how only 90 percent of them die and 10 percent make it and like they're living the dream, and I'm just like, wham! <laughs> I just end it for them. I got, I got to church that day. I apologized to Chris. I'm like, dude, I nailed like a million butterflies on the way over here. I'm sorry. I ended a million dreams that day. I'm supposed to be handing out dreams, and I'm taking them away. I don't know. But the transformation and new creation is something very, very has been very something significant and special in my life, that's actually the first message I ever embraced. When I went away to school in Maui, yep, I'm bringing it in. Maui's never going to, you guys better get used to Maui, it's not going to end, okay? But that was the first message that I grabbed onto, and I'm like, this message is amazing. And Tim has brought up that when I became a believer, like I had a transformation that happened all at one time, and it did happen at one time. I did get a, a delivered from drug addiction like that. I'd been struggling with it. Yeah, you can clap. That's amazing. Yeah. And that was like a seven-year process. And then once I encountered, kept encountering Jesus over and over again, that part went away. Thank you, Lord. The desire for it left. I'm like, I see what I was put on the planet for. There ain't no high like the most high, so I'm going to follow that high. Right? But at the same time, there were certain things that I had to walk out and process, and I needed to walk out my transformation with people and in relationship with people. We're not walking in true transformation if we're not walking it out with one another. I remember when I got to school, and I'm seeing all these miracles happen. I'm even going to people, I'm getting people's names, and it's just awesome. And at the same time, I'm blowing my life up around me. And But I didn't want to get in, into community because I knew there were things in my heart I was scared that people would see. And I was like, I don't want them to see that because if they see that, then they're going to know who I really am. If they really know who I am, they really won't love me, right? But if they know 
me and the spiritual hero that I am. Like, they'll just see that part, right? And before you know it, it's a small church, so I'm like, I'm dropping grenades everywhere, right? <laughs> Not literally, but kind of. It, it, it got to a point where I'm like, I feel like there's something in me that, that I'm needing to change because transformation is not only spiritual transformation. We need emotional transformation and relational transformation. We can be spiritually mature, but still not healthy relationally mature or emotionally, right? And that's our foundation. If we don't have that, we're going to fall apart. I've seen it too many times. Spiritual hero, woo, we're going and doing this, and it's like, <laughs> right? They go home and, like, there's things going on. I'm, I don't want to jump ahead because I'm going to get into that. But what I am saying is I had this mentality of it's just me and Jesus. And because of that, I don't need anyone in my life. Which is opposite is what the Bible tells us, right? Can y'all open up to John 17, please? Starting in verse 4. This is Jesus talking to God. He's talking to Father. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. I've glorified you on earth. I've finished the work you have given me to do. But we always talk about the finished work of the cross, right? But he hasn't even died on the cross yet. Oh, He must be talking about something else. But if you go back and read, I don't have time to read... 14 through 17, chapters 14 through 17, you can see he's talking about the disciples the whole time. And he says, I'm not praying for only these alone, but for the ones that will come after this. What was he doing? He was building men and women. He created a family environment in which people could come in around him, be free to be who they are, and to get healed emotionally and relationally. Right? It wasn't just all about being a I raised the dead today, woohoo! And he's like, okay, but let's check your heart. Right? What's going on in there? We have a, we have a ton of spiritual heroes. But, he's, but what Jesus came to do was just not build spiritual heroes, was to build a family. He's pointing to the twelve. The work you have given me here, I've completed it. But if you'll go back and read, he's talking about the twelve. I've given my life to them. It's family. He created something different. Okay, jump to verse 20. He's saying, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. I used to quote this wrong all the time. This was my verse that I used to say, it's just me and Jesus. That they all may be one as you, Father, and me, and I and you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe you have sent me. That they all may be one. He, what's he saying there? He's saying there that we become one with him. He's laying a foundation for them and he's, he's opening their eyes. No, no, I'm praying that we become one, we, with him. Not I become one with him. That's what that, it's just me and Jesus verse. Let's just go ahead and kill that sacred cow, Right? It's not just you and Jesus. It's never been just you and Jesus. We've always needed each other. Always. I remember, and, and I still see it today, like 
when we embrace that message and we don't let people into our lives emotionally and relationally, when we're not willing to be transformed and to be healed in those areas, we tend to just hop around, not really ever getting roots with people in community. I called myself a granola. It's nuts, flakes, and fruits. Right? People that, woohoo, look at me. Look how I worship Jesus, right? I love Jesus with all my heart. Look at all, look at all this. And then I go around. I don't let anybody get to know me because I'm scared about what they're going to see and they won't love me. This is the safest place we should be. We should be the safest people. Well, do you see how I raise my hands in worship? Woo, I love Jesus. But Jesus cares more about the condition of your heart than the position of your hands. He does. I'm not saying we're not supposed to worship our hands. We are supposed to worship and raise our hands. We are supposed to do that. But he cares more about the heart than he does the position. He's after the heart. This should be a safe place. I don't care what you're going through. This is safe. This is how you get healed. You come into relationship with people. I'm going to get there in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. We're living someone else's dream. We are. Can y'all turn with me to Hebrews 11, please? That's right. You, you go, girl. It's filled with the Spirit. It's the boy or girl they are filled with the Spirit. I could feel that. That sounded like a girl, okay? I have a little girl, but, you know, babies, it's hard to tell. I've put my foot in my mouth a few times. <laughs> It, it, it happens, you know. By faith, starting in verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he received as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, their heirs with him of the same promise. So what was he waiting on? For Abraham, he was waited for a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. He was looking for a place with foundations whose builder and maker is God. I used to read that and think that was talking about heaven, but let's, let's dig a little bit deeper, okay? Can we please pop up there, Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen? I have a bunch of verses. Last night I tried to do all of them. It didn't work out very well. I'm not doing it again. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion... A tested stone. Who is that? That's Jesus. A precious cornerstone, Jesus, for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Foundation. You catch that? He's talking about foundation where Abraham was looking forward to a foundation whose builder and maker is God, with Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. Come on. He was looking forward to the day we're living in right now. When we, when we start seeing death as a Savior instead of Jesus, we're in, we're in trouble. I can't wait to get to heaven one day, and I think it's going to be amazing, but Jesus called us to bring heaven to earth, not a destination of heaven. That was a pagan way of thinking back then. You can go watch the movie Gladiator. You study all the cultures back then, Persia, Greece. They were all about the afterlife. Well, I'm going to do all these things now, and my afterlife will be amazing. But the people of God were looking towards what we're living in right now. A family that would be one with each other, completely whole and healed in Jesus. 
They were looking for a better day. And we're living in that day. Ephesians 2. Can we put Ephesians 2 up there? 19 through 22. Y'all can flip with y'all's Bibles to Ephesians, please. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Notice the language. Household. Family. Having been built, here's that word again, on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. They're talking about a foundation built upon the apostles and prophets, with Jesus being the chief cornerstone. So what he's saying is, they're the foundation layers. So what foundation did they lay? They laid a family foundation. Jesus walked with them. He was fathering them. He was living life with them. Notice the language of Apostle Paul. We're the household of faith. We're the household of God. He calls us mothers, fathers, sons, and daughters. Right? Y'all need more fathers in your life. Right? It's a family. If if God wanted anything other than a family, Bill Byers says it best, he wouldn't have named himself father. I used to... I used to drive by churches, and, I, and, I, and if it was like a mega church, and I saw a bunch of I saw a bunch of cars outside, I would be like, "Man, that's a really that's a really healthy church." And then I started thinking as I'm driving by houses, have you ever drove past a house that had a bunch of cars outside and said, "Hmm, that looks like a healthy family," because I haven't, <laughs> right? We have this American mindset. If there's a bunch of cars out there, there's good stuff going on in there, brother. I usually drive by those houses and say, what the heck is going on in there? <laughs> right? I've been a part of mega churches where things are great. I'm not bashing mega churches, okay? What I'm saying is we have a Western mindset that says numbers equal health. When, when success looks different to him, Family walking in transformation, transforming the world around them is more is is more of his thing. He he cares more about fruit than numbers. Otherwise, he would have said, "Go get the nations saved." But he didn't. He said, "Go make disciples of the nations." And how do you do it through relationship? Real relationship with people. And I'm not talking about accountability groups. Okay, I know there's a need for that, but at the same time, we have this thing like we get people saved and then we. We, they're going to go through stuff, so we put them in an account. We, we set up an accountability group, and then and then we'll we'll Bible we'll Bible study them that out of them. How has that worked out for us? Not very good, right? Because he's looking for authentic relationship with people. This should be happening organically. If we're family, that's happening naturally, and you can set up and organize those things, and it's great. But I, I went and ate with a guy. He's like he's from another church, and he was like, hey. I just want to go connect with you. I really want to talk with you. And I'm like, awesome. Like, he's around my age. I'm like, this could work, you know? Like, let's chat. And I get there, and he's like, starts talking about looking for an accountability partner. And I'm like, bro, I'm way beyond that, okay? Not in a prideful way, but I don't do that. You want a relationship with me and be my brother? Let's do that. Most of the transformation that I've walked in has been in relationship with people, not in my accountability group. Like it's real life stuff where you're talking about really hard things that you're going through in your relationships and your emotions. I'm not talking about codependency here. I'm talking about real relationships with people. It's not just you and Jesus. We need each other. I just, I just find it interesting that, that we're in a time 
where we're preaching a gospel that's only about going to heaven when we die. When, when we'll live a good life, but one day, we're going to be in heaven. That's amazing, and I believe that, and I'm, and I'm there with you. I'm there with you. But at the same time, I find it very interesting that if you'll go through the book of Acts, I found the gospel preached around 18 times. Not one time were they preaching a message about only going to, going to heaven when you die. That's interesting, right? You would think the way we talk about that, that that would probably be a big deal in what they're preaching. But instead, Jesus dies, goes into Hades, then goes into heaven, and he comes back and reveals himself to the disciples that he's been walking with. What would you be asking him? What have you been experiencing? Oh my gosh, you went to Hades, heaven? What is going on? Tell me about this, right? That's what I would be doing. But their question is, their concept at this time is, so when are you restoring the kingdom to Israel? Their concept is a kingdom on the earth. They don't even ask him about the afterlife. Jesus hadn't given them the full revelation yet because he said, I'm going away. I'm going to send you someone that will guide you into all truth because i got a lot to tell you. Y'all can't handle this right now. So their concept is the kingdom on the earth. And until they receive the Holy Spirit and start preaching the gospel, they don't even know what he's talking about. They're not talking about going to heaven. They're talking about creating a family on the earth. That's amazing. Brother, are you going to preach the gospel? Which gospel are we talking about? There's the gospel of God. There's the gospel of Christ. There's the gospel of the Son. There's the gospel of peace. There's the gospel of grace. Jesus was preaching a gospel of the kingdom. Apostle Paul says, I got my own gospel. The, the gospel is meant to transform every area of your life right now. It's the power of God into salvation that heals every area of your life that God wants to come in right now. And when we're living in isolation and not letting people in our life, we're not, we're not fulfilling the call. We can be spiritual heroes all we want, but it doesn't matter if your life is in shambles. I'm talking to myself. My wife knows. She lives with me. I'm not a finished product. Right, The ones closest to you know. They're the ones, like that video we watched a few weeks ago with the Morgans, that the lady that had the nail in her head. You've got a nail in your head. But a part of that word disciple means discipline. That's where it comes from. It comes from the word discipline. And discipline in their culture, it means to sit down and to reason with. But we don't want to let people in. Don't want you to see what's here. Why? I love you. I'm not judging you. I got my stuff too. Let's talk about it. Let's get healed together. Right? We are setting a foundation for our families that are going to go long after us. We can try to be spiritual heroes all we want. That'll happen naturally. If you're a son or daughter, that's just going to happen. Can y'all turn with me to 1 John 1, 7? And I'm going to start landing this and transitioning to Tim. It's just, all right, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. All right, I'm going to do this. There are some people that have been in church their whole life. They've been thinking they've been growing in church for 30 years, but they've only been growing one year 30 times. Because we're not willing to let our things come out and God take them away. He wants to take them away so we become a new person. Emotionally, relationally, and spiritually, right? We got to let this stuff out and live in relationship with people. 
the, the, the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because the most healing I've received is with people. If y'all know what I used to do before, I was messed up big time. The breakthroughs that I've received have come in my relationships. 1 John 1.7. Let's just make that legal really quick. But if we walk in the light, as He in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. How do you get cleansed? It says you fellowship with people. You walk in the light. What does walking in the light mean? It means i got nothing to hide. Here I am. Love me or not, here I am. Here's me and all my baggage. Do you love me or not? It says if you do that, walking in fellowship with one another, it says you'll be cleansed and you'll be healed. Oh my gosh. It Really? I can be that free? Here I am. Do you love me or not? You don't? That's your issue and not mine. <laughs> right? Who cares? I don't care what anybody thinks of me that way. I'm free. Jesus paid a price for me. I'm, I'm free. I have, I have a few testimonies. I only think I have time for one. But this is a really good one. A friend of ours, y'all know who Sean Bowles is? The one that'll like read your social security number and phone number and tell you everything about your life? Well, they get a word. Sean Bowles gets a word of knowledge for this couple. At this time, they're thinking about moving to Sacramento. They're in Australia. They're on, the, they're on staff at Hillsong in Australia. Speaking of Australia... Melody, yeah. And they get a word. They're thinking about transitioning to Sacramento. And then Sean Bowles calls out their name, their kid's name, their birth dates, you name it. They starts calling out everything. Do y'all know these people? Yep. Yep. You've, you've said everything about them. We know them. And he said, God wants you to know that he's blessing your decision to move to Northern California. That he's blessing that decision to do that. So like, oh my gosh. We got the word of the Lord. You can't get more direct than that. He didn't know them. So what they didn't know is what that blessing would look like. (laughs) They get there, and and this is a powerful couple. I'm talking about probably, probably one of my most gifted, powerful friends that I'm like, she's like crazy, man. Like when she speaks, like I tremble, you know. God flows through her in such a powerful way. And they get there, and the opportunities that they're looking for are not happening. Like, Jesus spoke, but at the same time, it's not happening. And at the same time, their family and in all their relationships, even with us and other people, start crumbling. And they're not really receptive to feedback, you know? We're living in a relationship. We should be able to love each other and say, hey, you got a nail on your head. Let me pull that out for you. I asked her if I could share this. She said, okay, so I'm good. And I don't think she's watching. She's moving right now. Um, so she gets there, and, and, and all their relationships are crumbling. Crumbling. And they get to the point where they're like, God, you are a jerk. <laughs> you sent us here. There's no favor, like we're thinking, and all this opportunity, because they've been pursuing their dreams. We're going after our dreams. And they get there, and God starts undoing them pulling out things and restoring relationships with them and restoring their marriage and restoring relationships with other people, they start getting a revelation. And then they walk through that like, you know what? We're going to lay down all of our dreams right now and we're going to do this. We're going to get whole as a family 
and we're going to get whole in our relationships, and we're going to learn to have a real relationship with people. And they started receiving feedback in their life, and they put everything out in the open. And when they did, God started coming in and healing them. They are not the same people that I knew. They end up moving not far down the road, and we saw them often. And they're like, you know what? We're in a season of just family and enjoying each other and and, and relationships with people. And I'm like, that's amazing. Y'all are going to do big things because I see what you're supposed to do. But you're right. You're in the right season right now. And they end up going to Disney World a few months ago. And they get there. And then the husband remembers. He had a dream his whole life, ever since he was a little kid, he wanted to get a job at Disney World. Like, that's his job that he wanted, and he was like, I'm going to hold on to that. Like, as a little kid, I mean, you're a little kid, who doesn't want to work at Disney World, right? So he gets there, and he remembers, he starts having dreams at night when they're on vacation there about the dreams he had when he was a little kid. And their last night there, he had a dream that he was walking in the doors of Disney World. And, they were, and everyone there was surrounding saying, welcome to the team. And they gave him a big hug. And he was like, wow, like God is doing something here. So he's like, I feel like I'm supposed to put in my resume right now. He ended up putting in his resume. And if you know there, people apply for that to work there their whole life. Never get a call back, not even an email. He puts in his resume and gets a call back within a few days. And they want to fly him there to interview him. And they had been seeing the scheme over and over again, 9-11, 9-11, for years. They set the interview up with him for 9-11, September 11th. He gets there, he gets his dream job. And he was standing with God and he said, why are you just now giving me my dream? Like, why is this just now happening? And he said, God said, because you finally learned to put family first and put relationships ahead of dreams. No greater love than this than a man laid down his life for someone. It's a big deal, guys. It's family. It's relationships. I've had encounters with him where he told me this is the most important thing in your life. It's a big deal and it's in his heart. So let's get healed in relationship with one another. Right? God wants us to be healed and whole. All right. Thank you, guys. I'm going to transition it to Tim. So good. As we, honestly, we didn't talk very much about that. I don't like when we're going to share, like to talk too much about like where we're going, because I believe the Holy Spirit is better at his job than we are. And so I'm so excited for what was coming out of Shane of this, this call to the place of community and family and what it looks like. And I just want you to know that as Shane was laying the groundwork for this, that Jesus came to destroy the wrong mindset to build the right one. And the wrong mindset was this. The wrong understanding was that the father is the slave, is the master and we're his slave and we just do what he says. Whether we want to or not, we do it and, and, and we just get under his thumb and, and he'll take us to heaven. That was a wrong understanding. And Jesus came to destroy that 
He came to build up and say, no, I'm coming to build a family. And it's really interesting in Acts when, when it talks about the, you know, the whole community living together, it actually calls them a family of believers. And what is he trying to build? He's trying to say, hey, and Shane did an awesome job of that, but I want you to know the most important thing you can do about that is choose to live in family and community. Because the Father will not make you. He will encourage you. He will will show you, but He will not make you because He's not a master making His slaves do what He wants. He's a Father entreating you to relationship. He's entreating you to sons and daughters and brothers and sisters. He's he's, He's saying, this is what family looks like. I'm inviting you in. How many of you know with invitation you have to respond? Invitation does not bring you into family. It is the open door to walk into it. So I said this last night and I want to say it again. Saying hello to people and asking them how they're doing and walking away and saying, I said hello to a hundred people this week does not include you into family. It is the open door, the invitation to family. And he's saying, now I want to go deep. I wrote a a small definition because I I feel like we're in just such a season of defining things we say. Is that community definition in this day, this is not this is not from the internet, this is from my from just from myself, is is sharing life, connection and depth in the environment of transformation with those who are embracing the transformation process. Community. Community is sharing life, which is connection and depth, in the environment of transformation with those embracing the process of transformation in their lives. What am I saying? That social hangout is not the answer that I'm talking about. Because if, we, if we're not careful, we'll let the world define what, what community is. And family looks like. There's a huge movement of being in family, even in the world. Like, man, who's your community? Who are you hanging out with? Man, I know people that hang out with their neighbors like the church. But it doesn't fulfill and it doesn't bring transformation because it's just, it's just community. But it's not community of transformation. And we've got to be careful that we don't just say, well, I'm just hanging out with people from the church, but I still have a, a depth of an inch deep. And we're not getting into where it actually means we're sharing life together. Sharing life together means that you actually begin to know each other to a place that you can do what Shane was talking about and speak in, give feedback. And it's an invitation into that. Listen, don't let hangout time define your community. Let transformation and depth of life define your community. Got quiet. But I, I want to challenge the idea because some of us think, well, I have that. I want to say there's always more. There's always more in it. Even when Shane was up here talking, I'm thinking, I've got to have that more. Why? Because He's inviting us to the more. He's inviting us to it. And if we're not careful, see, the opposite of community and family is isolation. 
And you can have people all around you and be in isolation. You, you can just say, hey, how are you? What's going on? Hey, have a good day. Have a good week. Good job. Good to see you. Worship the Lord and walk out and be in total isolation. And Wendy said something. I got to give credit to Wendy to this. But I wrote it down because I was like, if Jane doesn't say it, I'm saying it. That isolation is a breeding ground for deception. Why? Because you don't have anybody checking you. You don't have anyone to bounce things off. How many of you have ever seen people take the scripture and get it all messed up? The living word of God, and they're using it as a sword towards each other. And, and I'm like, what is your problem? Why didn't someone tell you that is the wrong interpretation of that verse? Because they're in isolation. And they feel like they got it all figured out. I know this, that most people that think they have it all figured out are in isolation. Why? Because they're not letting people say, hey, you're awesome. I like you. I love you. Hey, that's wrong. <laughs> that's death. That'll kill you. You know, when my kids were little, Timothy, who's not little now, he, he had a fat, he just, I had to like always encourage him, hey, the road is not a place to play. We lived in neighborhoods and why want to ride a bike or run around and you had to tell him, hey, that road right there will kill you. I'm not trying to put a fear in you. I'm just saying you need to have a healthy respect both ways, right? Look around. Oh, and don't camp there. Right? And if we're not careful, we have people that think like, well, the easiest place is just to set up right here. I'm like, that'll kill you. And so we have to understand that. It's so necessary that we, we reject isolation. We don't just choose family. We reject isolation. Listen, the call, like Shane said so many times up here, is to be together. One another. That was a killer verse from 1 John. When we're being with one another, the blood of Christ will cleanse us. Ah, home run. But what comes out of community... See, that's what I want to talk about. What comes out of this family, sharing life together? What's it look like? And I want to give you two large things that we're going to do quickly. They're two eyes. I don't ever do that. I don't know what, what came over me. Actually, it was just two eyes that I felt like I wrote down. I was like, oh, they both start with I. And the first one is this. What comes out of community? Impartation of victory, strength, and, transfer, and transformation impartation the whole idea of the body of christ is actually to give you what you need and guess what it is from heaven like i just want to receive everything from heaven yeah the heaven in shane is going to give me something i need the jesus in shane is going to impart something to me that i need the jesus and elizabeth is going to come and speak to me and it's going to begin to produce transformation in me and we got people that say, it's like shame. It's just me and Jesus, me and Jesus. And they're not receiving what they need. Why? Because it's not God's model. It's for us to be living life together and impart victories. In 1 Corinthians 4.16, in the context of family where Jesus, Paul, not Jesus didn't write 1 Corinthians, Paul did. Paul says, hey, you have many guardians or teachers, and it's the old thing, people telling you what to do. But what you need is many fathers. 
Does anyone know what the next verse says? I love this. See, we've heard that quoted a million times, right? The next verse says, now imitate me. I have handed you victories. I have given you what it looks like to love and be with Jesus. So imitate me. I'm going to give you my breakthrough. I'm going to give you my victory. I know I don't want to have to, you to have to figure it all, all out. Here's my victories. Imitate me. He's not just saying be like me either. He's actually saying I want to give you the place of breakthroughs in my life. Man, the Apostle Paul, when he's offering that, that's someone's been to heaven. He said, I'm going to give you my breakthroughs. That's why he's writing everything down. The whole Bible was him giving his breakthroughs away. Two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul just giving away his breakthroughs. He wants to give us victories. Listen, that doesn't happen without community. I've had moments where you just don't know how God's going to break in and someone comes up and says, man, I've been in your same place. And God showed up and He changed everything. And it filled you with faith and says, if they can do it for them, He's going to do it for me. That's better than just like, I have a little testimony to share. It's testimony that's powerful. See, the other side of it is you've got to be willing to give those away. Community is a two-way street. Give and take. Give and take. See, the other thing that we impart is strength. Right? Mark, Mark 2. There's a man who can't walk. There's four guys that decide to go tear up a roof and lower him down before Jesus. Why? Because he was in community and they thought, you know what? He can't make it through this crowd, but we can carry him to Jesus. And they rip into the roof and they lower him down. And, and I love it. Jesus doesn't say, man, you have great faith. He said, you know what he says? You've got good friends that have great faith. And their faith is going to make you whole today. So, oh, I forgive your sins. Why? Because the atmosphere of family had produced exactly what Shane just read. And the blood of Jesus that hadn't even been shed yet said, I forgive you. Oh, and by the way, you can walk. What am I saying? There's moments of such strength that you can give to people. You have strength in you destined to give away. And people are like, well, and we got to be careful. Like, well, when it's my day of ministry, I'll give it away. Stop it. It's all about family. And just give it away. Be strong for someone. You know, it, it clearly says that in Deuteronomy, it says this, this that one can put a thousand to flight, but two, ten thousand. What's happening? It's called collection of strength. And only in the kingdom. One and one is supposed to make two. We all learned that a long time ago, right? But in the kingdom, one and one makes ten. Why? Because family produces supernatural results in your life. Community creates something that the world can't measure. Listen to this verse in James. This is the verse in the message. I'm going to read it. This is in James 5, 19. I like it in the message. It says, My dear friends, if you know people who are wandering off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back. And you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. It's the job of the body of Christ. 
And, and I know pathetic people are like, that person's not doing very good. And I'll be like, well, what'd you, did you go? And they're like, no, I just know they're not doing very good. And I'm like, what's your problem? <laughs> Who cares what you know? Go love. Who cares how, oh, I'm so spiritually discerning. Go get in their life. <laughs> go find out. Say, man, I love you. And I, is everything okay? Can I help you? Go chase them down when they're wandering off so we stop an epidemic. It's the family of God's job to stop an epidemic. Man. So impart. Impart your breakthroughs. Impart your testimony. Impart your transformation. Give away where you've been transformed. Say, well, that sounds unbiblical. No, it's not. God's breakthrough in our lives are made so, so we can give them away. No, no, nothing in the kingdom is earned. It's not. So that means that freely we have been given, freely give, right? So if you have transformation in your life, start giving it away. All right, second one. We did pretty good on that one. The second thing that what comes out of being in community is that iron sharpens iron. Proverbs 27:17 it says as iron sharpens iron so one's person so one person sharpens another. Now let me break down bad theology on this first, okay? Cuz I think we've often looked at this as like, oh that means like I got a bump, I got a bad spot here and and I need some abrasive rubbing to get that off. Like, well, that person really grates on me. They must be sharpening me. Stop it. That's not what it says. It actually says two swords. Iron sharpening iron. That's what it's talking about. It means you're in the forge and they're using iron to sharpen other iron so that you can be useful for the day of battle. It's what the reference is talking about. Listen, you've got to remember the time they're writing it in. When they're, when they're forging things, they're saying this is for useful to be useful on the day if it's necess- that it's necessary. And, and God is wanting us to be a people who sharpen each other. What does that mean though? Because we've, we've heard that quoted, but if we're not careful, we'll just think, well, yeah, iron sharpens iron, just hang out. No, it actually means that it, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, this is deals with blind spots in our lives. How do you know what a blind spot is? In your life. I know what a blind spot is in your car. You're like, whoa, there's someone right there, right? And that's what it looks like in our lives. Where'd that come from? It's a blind spot. Where'd the enemy go? How did he just come running up on me? Because we have a blind spot. And the, the purpose of ironing, sharpening iron is for other people to see where the enemy is trying to get in your life and say, I see it's not always about your engrossed sin. I see the enemy is trying to get in here. I think we always go to the worst to try to keep us from doing it. What if the enemy is trying something and someone says, hey, I see the enemy doing this. Let's just close that door right now. And it never gets in. It's blind spots. And, and if we're not careful, and I just want to say this. This is where, blind spots are where we actually don't see. I wrote this down. What do we do when life doesn't line up with new creations? That's blind spots. 
Because we've all we are new creations. But we have areas like, man, why is that not changing? And God's saying, I want to transform that. I want to transform that place. And one of the ways I'm going to do it is in community. And so let me give you a biblical example of a blind spot being healed by transformation. How many know who John Mark is in the New Testament? He, he's, he's the young, wild one in the Scriptures. If you really read about him, he's, he's the youngest of them. He's there when Jesus is walking around as a teenager. And then when Paul and, and Barnabas decide to go on the first trip, they're like, who should we take? And I can just say, like, let's take some young fire. So let's take John Mark, right? So the first missionary journey, maybe you have an older Bible that has a map in the back. It's got a red thing going around it. It's the first missionary journey where they traveled. Well, halfway through this amazing time where God is expanding the kingdom and breaking out in miracles and life and, and spiritual breakthrough, John Mark has a meltdown and goes home. In my Bible, there was a dot on the map that said, John Mark leaves Paul and Barnabas. It was what he was known for. I'm trying to show you something. It was a place where he got overwhelmed, and he actually goes home to mommy. Not spiritual family, just mommy. This was hard. And, and, and it's really interesting. How would you like to be known for that mark? The second trip starts. Paul and Barnabas. And Paul's like, man, I feel the unction to go again. Barnabas says, so do I. Let's go expand the kingdom. They say, who should we bring? And Barnabas goes, how about John Mark? And Paul says, no way. That mama boy not coming with us again. And now I just want to say this. At that moment... Paul was not the community that John Mark needed. But Barnabas says, and I don't like this verse, it says they sharply disagreed over John Mark. God was actually there to bring peace. But they could not see it. Why? Because Barnabas was seeing, I see good in him. And Paul's like, I'm mad at him. So just so you know, Paul wasn't infallible. He was wrong in this case. And it says they split up and went two different ways. But the story is that we never hear of Barnabas again. It's not because he was wrong. It's because John, I mean, because Paul had the writers. Sometimes you're like, well, Barnabas missed it. We never hear about him again in the Bible. No, the guys that were writing the Bible were with Paul. And what goes on? They begin to expand the kingdom. And Barnabas creates a family and community to bring John Mark along. What I love is this. Later on, Paul's life, he's in Rome, he's in jail, he's, he's expanding the kingdom though into Rome, the most powerful nation on earth. He's saying God is moving here and he writes in the back of one of his letters, he says, send me John Mark for he is useful for what God is doing in this time. The blind spot was over. He was inviting him to come to prison and he says he'll do it. Because I hear what God's been doing in his life, and it's good. What am I saying? Transformation. He said, bring me John Mark. He's been transformed. And guess who Paul had been too? Because I've got a good attitude about John Mark now. Bring him to me. 
What am I saying? Blind spots can stop us or we can get in community and they can be a victory that we say, look what God did in my life. Because Barnabas, which means encourager, put his arm around and said, hey, John Mark, you know when you left last time? That's costing us. We're not going with Paul. But it's not costing us the kingdom. We're going to go over here and do this and we're going to let God work in that, transform that area. And don't worry. You're going to be useful even to Paul one day. It's important. The second thing that ironing, sharpening iron does, and we'll be done with this, is that it spurs us on. Go spurs, right? Come on. We need more prayer this year. Y'all all know it too. It says this in Hebrews 10, 24. It says, And let us consider how we must spur one another on towards love and good deeds. See, we have to understand that in the word spur right there means to incite. And the definition of incite means to encourage or stir up. There is a place of iron sharpening iron that stirs you up. It, you, you know what? You just can't start. Sometimes you don't have the ability to stir yourself up. You just start to see the fire and someone else says, oh, i got to get near Lisa. She got fire coming out of her and all of a sudden I got fire in me. It's not fire that I didn't have. It's stirred up fire from her. See, that's the goal of the body of Christ. That's the, can I say this is the goal of corporate gathering? Fire, touching fire, creating what? Bonfire. The whole idea of us being here today is not because it's Sunday morning. It's so that you'll be stirred up and I'll be stirred up and all of us will walk out of here encouraged, full of courage and stirred up and all of a sudden we say, why do I feel like I could attack hell with a water gun? I want to tell you, you don't have a water gun. You've got more than that. You've got the river of God flowing out of you. And you do have, but you have to be inspired to do it, right? Or you'll just fall into the normal. And, it's, and that's why it says, the next verse says, don't forsake gathering together. Don't forsake getting together. Don't forsake it because you, if you're not careful, you won't get it stirred up. You won't have anyone spurring you on and you might miss out what God's doing in your life. That's Tim's version. I love it what he says to Don't be in the habit of not getting together like some are. Some are already doing it and what's happening? They're falling away. I always see when people isolate themselves, they are in danger. They are in danger of living with no fire. Got quiet in here. Let me, I, let me just end with this. Last verse. It's a miracle. Shane and I both went in 50 minutes. Don't clap. That's supernatural. It says this in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, meaning that you should, be, you should be developing what's going on in the inside of you, but also in the interest of others. I, I, I have to lay this down because if we're not careful, we'll step right into religiosity and rules with this. 
I, I wanted to say this. When Jesus, when the father asked Cain where Abel was, Cain responded, am I my brother's keeper? And I believe the Lord's answer was, yes, you are. I've actually created a family and you are to be your brother's keeper. He knew what had gone on, but he was actually challenging the core question of, you are your brother's keeper, where is he? And I want you to understand that you are, we are each other's keepers, but the Holy Spirit is the main one. And He will guide it. It is not your job to be other people's Holy Spirit. In family, family knows when the Holy Spirit's working and you just celebrate it. I'm going to say it again, because it is not your job to be the Holy Spirit. First of all, you don't have the qualifications. You do not have the qualifations. I'm bringing this up because I have been in the body of Christ a long time and have seen this where it becomes legalistic and control and fear and eventually punishment. Everybody's just sat in the church been a while to say amen. But that is not God's job. The whole idea of family, the base of family is love. You know that no one ever told me I had to love my family? Never. My parents didn't sit me down at three and four and say, we are family. And because of that, we love each other. Love is the natural overflow of family. And even when I couldn't stand my brother and my sister, I loved them. Everybody know what I'm talking about? If you're the baby, everybody give a big amen. Thugs, right? They were mean. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, all the babies like, yeah, preach it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what am I saying? Even in the place of hardness and hardship, you love them and it was overflow. You knew it. Why? Because you're the same DNA. It wasn't hard. Oh, my brother and sister are adopted. I just want to say it out loud, but we're the same DNA. And we loved each other even when we wanted to choke each other out. Now, I'm not saying that was right, but I'm saying love is the basis. If you try to do iron sharpening iron, and you try to do these things out of duty and control and fear and not love, it will be a mess. Even in the guides of love, I love you so much, brother, I'm about to rebuke the fire out of you and punish you for how you're acting. That is not love. First John tells us there's no punishment in love. Ooh, and it irks. It's like, I like punishment. It makes me feel like someone got what they deserve. Jesus took what they deserve. Listen, if you like punishment, get a hold of the cross. What am I saying? If we do not have the basis of love and create an atmosphere of love in here, in your family, and in your internal then it will always lead to control and fear and punishment. Breathe in deep now. Just receive His love. The Father is crazy about you. Can we just stand up? Jesus in John 13, 35 said, man, they're going to know that you're my family and the ones that are disciplined and disciples by the way that you love each other. Not by how you hold each other in check and make sure you're not sinning. He said the way you love each other. The overflow of family is love. And right now, I just believe this. The Lord wants to give us a massive impartation of love in here. 
This is not how we ended last night, but I cannot get away from it. If we do not have love, we don't have anything. God's wanting to, He wants to love you right into family right now. If you say, well, I've been burned by family, God is love right there where it burned you. Let His love in right now. I feel like the Lord is saying this to me. He wants to heal excuses. He wants to heal, and He's saying it really lovely. That's just an excuse to not come into who I'm inviting you to be. And He wants to heal that right now. Elizabeth, do you have that piece? Yeah. What we found over the years is that the enemy uh, really has the same lies for everyone. And a lot of people have heard this. I'm sure, I'm sure some of you in this room have heard this. Well, I don't belong. I don't really, you know, have a family. I just come here, but I, you know, it's the same lies. How many of you, how, how many of you heard that lie? Sure. Yeah. The common one. So right now we just want to just to break that lie because it's not truth. That's not what God says about us. That's not what God says about you. Is everybody good with that? I know it feels very real, but it's not truth. That is not truth. I don't care what you've experienced in the church. It's not true. You do belong in the family of God. You do belong. You have a place. You have a unique gifting and a unique calling to release to people. You have something to give to people. And you have something to receive. So God, we just release right now your truth into the atmosphere. We break every lie associated with that right now in the name of Jesus. Truth that sets us free. Truth that sets us free. You say, some of you might say, well, that's, you don't know my story. It's not that easy. But actually, there's freedom that he's trying to offer you this morning. It's an invitation, like Tim said. The door is open to walk into a new truth, a new revelation of family. He wants to redefine family. He wants to redefine church community. A body of believers If you want to walk through that door, I want us to do something, a physical act. I want you to raise your hand. If you are willing to walk through that door of community, of family, of God redefining that for you, I want you to put your hand up. Not for my benefit. This is only for heaven's benefit and for yours. (laughs) We give you our yes, Jesus. We welcome a breakthrough, a new breakthrough. Transformation in this place. We want the world to see your love through our love for one another. Right? Isn't that what the Bible says? They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. They will know you belong to Jesus by your love for each other. Teach us, Father. We say yes. We walk into that door right now. We walk through it. It's wide open. Amen. Hey, can we just do one, can you give me one minute? Stacy and Jaime, Jesse and Elena, would you guys come up here? Y'all come up here on the stage. So the awesome and painful thing about community is when you love well, and then God tells someone they have to go somewhere else, 
These guys are moving to Arkansas. This, well, I think Jaime's leaving this week, and you guys are leaving next weekend, right? Is that correct? A little bit. Okay. Well, we're just going to, we just, we want to release you, but most of all, we want to bless you as family. I know, family, I got cousins live all over the nation. They're still family. And we want to bless them, but the other thing we want to do, and, and I, I pray that you guys would believe this for us, is we have a belief that when a part of the family, and God calls them somewhere else, that He will bring us seven times the strength. Seven times the blessing. And when we have done that, He has always brought us seven times the blessing. And it's because family, being family, always produces increase. So guys, would you just stretch out your hands toward these amazing fire carriers? We, I just want to declare, we have seen transformation in your lives. And we celebrate it today. We celebrate the work of Jesus in your lives. So we bless you now. We bless your job. We bless everything you're called to do up there. We bless we bless Chase as he's there, we, and we bless everything that's in his heart to do, and we just declare over your guys that the fire is increasing, and we send you, we send you, we bless you now, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right. Um. So if you're new with us, our senior leaders, Tim and Elizabeth Darnell, are going to be out in the foyer. If you're visiting or this is uh, one of your first Sundays with us, we'd just love to get to know you. So just come and meet our leaders. And uh, I'm in the, the school and doing the principal stuff now, so I like to give homework. So here's, here's what I feel like the Lord's assigning you, okay? Is here's how you're going to strengthen your covenant with, with family. It's not by doing more, it's by saying more. By saying the things that need to be said. You notice that a lot comes out when you're vulnerable and you speak more. Um, and you just release what's really on your heart. And I just feel that that there's a strengthening of covenant coming to us. And some people are feeling that call. Um, so, you know, invite somebody to lunch and just tell them, I'm here. And here's my story. Or whatever it may be. Let me pray over you and we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for family, for community, for walking into transformation together, God. That we're not alone in these processes and that you just speak words of life. Holy Spirit, just help us to be open, vulnerable, reasonable, not irritable, but just uh, alive in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Have a wonderful Sunday. We have prayer teams, altar ministry up front here. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would love to just pray with you today. So just come see one of our team members up here in the front.